feet and how we get down and lose the joy of our salvation. Amen. We lose that joy that what it and, and we can even do it in ministry, and I can do it through preaching, as Tim was even speaking of. We can do it as leaders. We get so wrapped up in in, in, in everyone's lives in here and seeing you you and your family in church and doing this, and we get all wrapped up in everybody else that we lose the joy of our salvation, amen. Of what we're meant what we're, what God put us here to do. And last week I preached about the church that's all in. And I pray today that God's working on your heart that more and more people in this church are, are coming to realization they need to be all in for Jesus. Not just part-time, not just here and there, but all in to really see God move and work in the power of Christ in your life today. And, and I'm going to kind of preach on that again today. It's called Launching Out Into the Deep, which goes along with last week. I, I don't know, I preach one sermon, it just kind of leads into another one, and I, I never want to quit until God says, okay, it's time to move on and preach about something else. But really, been a, the, what God's going on in my heart is really about our church body and, and moving together as a church body. I guess the reason it's on my heart is I see so many churches today that don't care about Jesus. You say, I can't believe you said that. Go to their services. They're worried about their tradition. They're worried about this. They're worried about that. And they're shutting their doors. They're not reaching the next generation. Let alone this generation. It's like we've become keepers of aquarium, but we're not going out winning souls no more. We just, well, 25 to me is good enough for me. Amen. And, and that's not what God called us to do as a church. We need to always strive to do new and fresh things and reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ in this community, amen? Don't ever let Pleasant Hill get stagnated and, and, and just be satisfied for what, what, what God's already done in this church, amen? God wants to do a whole lot more in this church body. And we need to keep our heads up, man. And the way we do that, we always got to keep our eyes and, and, and we got to stay focused on the main thing that God called us to do in the church body. The main thing, and that's the one he wants us to watch out and but the, our, our main job as a church is to spread this gospel, amen? Everybody in here has got family, friends that need Jesus. You probably know a family right now, and I, mean, and, and I can probably say, everybody think of one family right now that needs to be in church and needs Jesus Christ and needs to be in a church family growing and, and it'll pop up right now. And see, we, we can't allow that to we get, we all get busy. And we can't get busy as a church doing programs and activities and preaching sermons and having Bible studies and all that stuff is good, but if we don't forget the main thing, and that's go and make disciples. I mean, and that's make. Well, I mean, I, I love our church is busy. Uh, I, when we had a meeting just a couple weeks ago, so listen, guys, we're making out our calendars. Let's let's not get busy just to say we're busy. I mean. Let's not just be here at church because you say, I came four nights this week to church. Oh, bless me, I'm working for Jesus. Amen. We get that attitude sometimes. And it's not about how many times we're up here, but it's how God's growing us. Am I making disciples? And you see, when God saved you, He called us to go out and make others. Amen. To see, see you walking in Jesus Christ. And I love this verse that Jesus did. I'm going to go to launch down the deep in a minute, but I want to read Matthew real quick. Matthew chapter 28. We've heard this many, many times in Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16. This is where Jesus is kind of giving the last word. Kind of like that story I read this week about two guys fishing. And I know 
We're through with the snow. I put the snow job up. I'm not praying. I'm not saying no words. Do not text me, Facebook me no more. It's over with, okay? I got my snow ice cream. I'm good. But it's kind of like these two guys. Everybody's ready to go fishing now. These two guys are fishing down the boat. And the first guy, there was a guy sitting in the back and a guy sitting in the front, and they were they were fishing. By that time, the guy in the back heard something spewing, and he looked up and he seen his buddy throwing something out in the water. And when he hit the water, it just exploded. Big old kaboom. Man, he said, I can't believe you did that. He said, get a net and pick them up. Boy, and they were just, man, fish were floating everywhere on top of that water. He said, you can't, be, you can't do this. He said, get a net and pick them up. He said, it's against the law. What you're doing is blowing up these fish. And he said, look at all the fish. Get in that and start dipping them. About that time, the guy in the front lit another one and picked it from the guy in the back. He said, you can't, you can't do this. He said, you're going to sit there and you're going to see it. Amen. And I think that's the way God calls us sometimes. He won't ask us, are we going to sit there or are we going to see it? Sometimes God has to push churches to see it. I, I believe that. He has to push us. Sometimes to, in a direction to look out of our comfort zone and, and, and we'll be the Christian that God, sometimes God allows things to happen to push you. Sometimes He allows things to come into church to push churches from just being a building. Because I said a couple weeks ago, this is just a building. The people make up the church. Amen? We are the church. Everywhere, every time we go out, when we leave here today and we go out, you're on your job tomorrow, there's two or three hundred Pleasant Hill people. Churches everywhere. Tomorrow at work. And so Jesus, he, he's kind of giving them last words here before he's fixing to ascend up into heaven to his heavenly Father. And he gives them what we call the commission. He commissioned the church. And I love this because a lot of churches leave this first word out. Even the great commission. Go. Man, we need to be a going church. I mean, we need to be an active church in this community, helping people's needs when we see a need. Go to it. Amen? And I know you're going to say, well, George, we're not a rich church. We don't have a lot of money. Jesus started with 11 filthy fishermen that didn't know the Word of God. And later on in Acts, it says they turned the world upside down. That's what God's calling us to be this morning. Look what he says in verse 16 of chapter 28. It says, Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, talking about Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. That caught my mind. No matter how much we spread the word, not everybody's going to believe the gospel. Now, let me, let me break it on down a little closer to home. No matter how hard I preach on making disciples and, and God is wanting you to grow and He saves you for a purpose and, and a mission to grow. And, and no matter how much I preach that, there's going to be some folks in here that's going to doubt it and not believe They're not going to grow. They're going to be happy with status quo. They're going to be happy hearing Brother George preach. Burp them and send them out for the week. I've come to the realization of that. And we as leaders in this church need to come to the realization of that, that, that something's going to doubt. No matter how many people around them in this church is growing, they're not going to grow. And, and all i got to say is, is i got to keep going. This church has to keep going. Amen? God is calling us to launch out into the deep. Why would I let just a handful, handful, handful of a few 
that up a minute. Hold us back from going. Amen. And so it doesn't matter how much I preach. Hey, I love you. You come every Sunday. You sit there. If you don't want to grow, that's when you and God. Amen. But I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep challenging. And, and, and God's going to use this church in a mighty way. Then what we'll do is once we get to heaven, you can answer to Jesus why you didn't do what you needed to do. Amen. Amen. That's good. When they saw him in verse 17, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, here we go, all authority. He didn't say some. He didn't say, I'm going to give you just a smidgen of authority. Now, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. He's talking to his church. He's talking to the church. He's talking to Pleasant Hill today. This has not been watered down. The Bible is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We as Baptists sometimes want to say, hey, yeah, God's a healing God. He's a moving God. He's got all the power, all authority. That's him. But in the days we live in, it's different now. The times are different, but our Jesus is the same King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Your theology may have changed. Your thinking may have changed. But Jesus is still, listen, He can save anybody today. He can pull them up out of the gutters. He can do anything He wants to do. He can heal. Jesus can do anything He wants to do in a vessel that's willing to let Him do it. The problem is that we vessels don't want to line up with His authority sometimes. Amen? He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven. And not only in heaven, that's that's pretty big power. Jesus says, I got all authority in heaven and on earth and in between. I have all authority. The devil may look like he's winning, I still have all authority. It may look like things bad on the news. Jesus says, I'm still on the throne. I'm still in control. I still have all power and all authority. And if he tells them and he explains all this to them about how much power and authority they have, and he says, let see, Jesus is transferring all that power and authority to his church. That's why the church is not a weak thing. That's why the church is so much greater than just a club. The church is spirit-filled, born-again believers, children of God, that God has transferred all that power and authority to His church to get His will done so we can be a lighthouse in this community. If we had no power and no authority, people would not be saved today. The devil would come in and he would just separate this church up into little divisions and and, and pride comes before a fall and, and this whole church would fall. This ministry would just go... But thank God we got some people in this church that will kneel down and get under His authority and His power and we can keep these walls together. See, you get all that, but there's a key to it. Jesus wants us to be obedient. Yes, He transfers that power to you, but not just to sit there and sour and soak. Not to walk around and just to brag that, yes, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, and you are if you've accepted Christ as your Savior. Let me say this, that's the greatest decision you'll ever make. But now what? Now what? you got kids to raise. we got ministry to run. I know about y'all, but I need all power and His authority when I preach His Word. I need all of His anointing by to preach the Word, an our Word, a relevant Word. I don't want to preach. I could get online and copy me a sermon preaching to me, and I could just really make it easy. 
I can lay them out for the next 365. Hey, you don't The next 50 something weeks. Well, I won't use this in some of the but when we, I, I can sit and lay it out and have it all tidy and pretty, but that doesn't mean that that's the word that God wants for our church where we're at at that point in time in our spiritual growth as a church body as we're making disciples. That's why I believe, now I believe in preaching two or three sermons and preaching series, nothing wrong with it. But I had a preacher tell me one time, Brother George, I got my sermon. I know, at least in July. He said, I know exactly what God wants me to preach in these I said, well, when they come and talk to him, let me in on your club. Amen. Because I do not know what God has for our church next December. All he said is, go ye therefore. He said, go. Now, what do you mean, Brother Lord? He said, go. we got to get up and go with the church body. we got to continually be in a church body that's ministering to people. Whether you know it or not, President Hill has a reputation in this community. It's either a good reputation or it's a bad reputation. Now, I'm not talking about a reputation from the law. The law seems to like nothing that goes on God. Amen? I mean, you're going to get talked about by that. So the ones that doubt, they're going to talk about it. And I'm talking about the, the community here in Lake Hills area knows what kind of heart Pleasant Hill has. They know if it's a loving heart. They know if it's it's a heart that's helping people to eat. They know if it's a church going or not, or if it's a church just meeting and preaching on Sunday and going home. And there's a lot of that going on today, and they're happy with it. Preach me a sermon. You know, my grandma been in this church 46 years. We're sitting on the family. Amen. You know, we're carrying it all, but it has nothing to do with Jesus. About going. And he says, therefore, go back to that thing in, in, in that verse 19. This is why he transferred all the power to the church so we could go. That's why we have the power. Because listen, I, I don't know about y'all, but if it wasn't for the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit and all the authority and power he gives the church, we could not make the impact that we need to make on people's hearts and lives. This community cannot, would not see the hands and feet of Jesus without the transfer of the power to the church. That's why Jesus, the Bible says he died for his church. Just remember what I preached on last week? Just as Christ is the head of man, and he's the head of, of man, and, and God is the head of Christ, Jesus Christ is the head of this church. And so, go therefore and make disciples. And I love this, because when I first started... People used to tell me, well, how do we baptize people? How, you know, that, I always tell them, that does not say, go you there for and baptize and name a missionary baptist. Amen? That used to crack me up growing up as a kid. Well, if we're not baptized in a missionary baptist name, it's not a right baptism. That's hogwash. <laughs> That's not biblical. He doesn't say, go there for and baptize the name of Baptist, Pentecostal, Assembly. He doesn't say none of that. Here's the requirements. Go you there for, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He doesn't say one word about your church, your denomination that. If you've been immersed in baptism, been born again, child of God, you're qualified to be part of that power that's been transferred to the church. 
Now, he said go. Now, the first thing we got to do is say, look, we can't go to Africa. No, we can't. But we can go to we can go to Piercy. We can go to South Rogers. We can go to Marion Anderson. Amen. And I don't know no more streets as far as I've been. But we can cover this. Listen, Sydney West sort of know that Pleasant Hill is going for the name of Jesus Christ. When the name of Mount, when the name of Pleasant Hill is brought up, they're going to talk about that goofball pastor they got because he's great. Amen. They're going to call him Baptist Hospital and this and that. And then he just, you got to overlook that. I'm talking about it as a church. The church is still a church despite me. Amen. The church ought to have a reputation out here saying, I think Baptist, you've got to play the heel, the Spirit of God in that place. You go down there, they're going out. Here they helped over here. They helped so-and-so. They did this. And they went out and ministered this. They've had so many baptized and saved and going to church. Man, you go in there, you're going to feel the presence of God. That's what his church, the transfer of his power. Because you can't make that stuff up. I, now, listen, we could drum this stuff up and get emotional for so long. We're going to tire out. But with all power, listen, guys, I've been here 12 years and we're still trusting Amen. I know both of them said when he came, gave me a couple of years to get about. Amen. We still are trucking. Twelve years later, because I'm not preaching off emotion. I'm not preaching off of, of all this. I want to be led by the Spirit of God, preach by the Spirit of God, and have a church that's filled with the Spirit of God. And you'll keep going and going and going. Because listen, guys, people are going to come and people are going to go. That's part of church. Some get, hey, I, I've seen people come to this church young and just need a word to grow and they get fired up and go back to their church. And really get on fire and go to work in their church body. I'll see them six, eight months later and say, man, I'm going to y'all tell you, listen, you know what? Oh, yeah, brother, George, up we, we did it. We just thank you so much for preaching the word and that church of yours is on fire. And we've got, we God called us to go back to our church and give them something. We just, you know what we just did? We go. Therefore, we put a therefore in. That's, hey, we got a blessing. Their church is on fire because God touched them in here. I'm not, listen, our church is not where we're going and we're making disciples. We're not competing with no other church on 70 West. I'm not competing against the single God. Amen. Or the Baptist, or the Presbyterian, or hey, if they can get 500, we ought to stand up and say, man, the Presbyterian or the Assembly of God or more Baptist, you know what they had? 550 people in service. They had a bunch of faith. Man, we were say, praise God for that. Amen. God's kingdom being glorified. But here's what the modern church does today. Yeah, they got to be doing something that's wrong. Here. He's got to be preaching something wrong up there. I heard that. Well, we started growing. He's got to be doing something crazy up there. Oh, I'm preaching the truth. How about that? It'll change lives. It'll turn your world upside down, dead church. Amen. It'll make you open your Bible. It'll make you pray. It'll make you hunger for the presence of God. The gospel will. If churches were tight, 
man, they might, they might feel their seats down. That's why he said, go. Go and make disciples. Go real quick to Luke. I want to go to Luke real quick on making these disciples. Now, here's our job as a church. Now, we, we need to teach this. Now, I'm not against it. We need to teach when we do this. We've got programs. I mean, we've got, we've got, there shouldn't be, listen, we've got a place for you in this church somewhere. From adults to the spiritually mature, mature. How'd that sound, guys? That makes you feel good? All the way down to the spiritual infants. Priesthood. There's a place in this church for you. There's a place to make disciples and for you to grow if you apply it. God, listen, God wants everybody in here to grow. The reason you're not growing is you're not applying yourself. Well, I ain't got time. When I get everything straightened out those doors, and I get, then I get this, and the kids get out of school, we're just so busy and ball right now, and soccer, and, and, and this, and go. When we get all that, and I get this job, and I get the pay raise, seek you first the kingdom of God. You know what you're going to be doing? You're going to be, it's when I do, 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 the rest of your life, and you'll die and leave this earth and never experience Jesus in all of his capacity like he wants to be experienced. Because he was always born. Amen? This is good stuff. Give me a big amen. Don't, don't get sad with me. Thank you. Don't pucker up on me. Hang in there. You'll get better. I'll get back to heaven here in a minute. But God, listen, I always say that. God commands us to grow. It's not, man, if you want to, I died on the cross. You can do what you want. Go! He said, go! Get up! Wake up! Go! Grow! Oh, Lord, Lord, I can't read the Bible very good. With the Holy Spirit inside of you, He can take three words that's been empowered by the Holy Spirit and make it so real with you, and you can read a book and can't understand it. But the Holy Spirit, His Word, listen, His Word will discern with the Father's Word and the Spirit, and all of a sudden, boom! All that authority and power has been transferred to you, He'll help you understand the Word. That's why He's God, and we're here. Your spirit will bear witness with your Father's spirit. Amen? At that moment when you read the Word, I don't care if you read five words every five minutes. The Holy Spirit will help you understand what His Word is trying to get across to you. How do y'all believe that? His Holy Spirit will help you do that. That's what His Holy Spirit is there for. So it was. Let's look at this. Look at this right here. Making disciples. I love this story about Jesus and in the boat. And he, he's already kind of, he's called Andrew, James, Peter, and John. He's, he's called them. But they kind of took him as like a part-time Christian. Because that's who he's called them. They, they go back to their boats and they're fishing. And so Jesus comes up and he, by now, Jesus is preaching and big crowds are coming to him and following him. And, and they get, I couldn't imagine getting the crowd so big that they're pushing him right up to the shoreline. The water. I mean, the crowd just kept pressing in. And Jesus going, uh, I'm ankle deep in water here, guys. And he looks around and there's a boat. He says, God, push me out in this boat. And they get in the boat and he pushes him out so he can preach to the crowd. Look what happened. So it was that the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. Man, wouldn't that be great? 
that so many people pressed in here to hear the God word that they they were shoulder to shoulder down the hallway. You couldn't tap another one in that glass door. You say that's not possible, boy. boy that never will happen. Let Garth Brooks come up here one Sunday. Amen. It'll happen. Put Garth up there and see Jesus and what's happening. They'd be shoulder to shoulder looking on the outside and you know, we've got to get in and see him. But when Sunday rolls around and Jesus is in the house, nobody can. Amen. So it wasn't the most impressive to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Jehoshaphat so and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from him and were watching the net. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and called the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep. Let your nets down for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, it's your word, I will let the net down. And you know what better obedience than I will Amen. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish in their nets. <laughs> so they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them, and they came and filled their boats so that they began to sink. Boy, that's a fisherman bonanza McDonald's tournament deluxe. Amen. Fast masters, whatever you want to call it. But when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me. You're all of a sudden, by the power and authority, he seen who he really was in the presence of Jesus. You see, Jesus is, listen, Jesus is calling our church to launch out in the deep. Here's why a lot of churches aren't seeing moves and, and, and moves of revival and moves of salvation. Is they are staying too close to the shore. They're staying in about ankle deep water, the church is. That's all they know about the Spirit. That's all they know about His Word. Uh, I mean, they, but they're always just able to treat church. They're all on the shoreline. I mean, they're pulled up. They're banked. And they've been reaching people in time. I don't know why we're not reaching people. You can't lead people to Christ. You can't lead people nowhere you haven't been. If all you got is leaders in ankle deep water, that's all our church will be is an ankle deep church. Spiritually. Until God starts calling and pricking hearts in this building saying, Get out, let's go deeper, launch out. I got so much more for you to see if you'll just launch out. And see, this is why Peter and them didn't launch out. They've been fishing all night long and they hadn't caught a fish. Because at nighttime, around this shoreline, it was the fish moved and they would they would take them shallow. That's where they always they hardly ever caught anything out in the deep. And so Jesus asked him to push him out of the boat. As he's sitting in the boat preaching, he gets through. He tells him, push me out deeper. Push me out here. And as he's preaching, and, and I can imagine Peter, he's sitting there washing his net. He's got them all cleaned up. got the moss all over them. I mean, he's got them ready to go for tomorrow night. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, Peter, wash out in the deep and throw your nets out there in the deep water. Peter's going, listen, Rabbi, listen, Master. I mean, I know you can heal people and raise them from the dead, but you, have you looked at this fast lately? They're not out there. I mean, I know you can do all this miraculous stuff. Even Peter was a fisherman expertise. 
And Jesus said, cast your net deeper. Peter should have said, listen, I, I've washed the grass. I'm washing it right now. They're not out there. Just, I love his obedience. Peter obeyed Jesus no matter what the circumstances were. This is what God's called the place of heal to be. If we're going to make disciples, we got to be obedient when we don't feel like it. Not every day are you going to have a good day in ministry. Not every day are you going to wake Some of y'all are not going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to be all the way and the kitchen fall apart if we How many of y'all have had one of these days at work with your family? I mean, if it's going to break, it, it, it just does. I mean, man, it's just like, what else could happen to me today, Lord? Go ahead, put the rock on my head, drop it, drop me out, man, you know it. Amen. I mean, if it, everything's messing up, but you still go to work. Why? You got to feed Man, I've got to feed my family. Close up. What better? That's why we need in church and obeying Jesus. You've got to feed your family. Spiritually. That's a whole lot more better off than spiritual food. We worry so much about our clothes and sitting in the college and everything ahead, but they die spiritually. Or they're saved, and, and I believe we're going, a lot of families in church are going to heaven, but they, they just, when they get to heaven, heaven's going to blow them away. Because they never knew they could have that much fun of worshiping and didn't know they could go that deep with Jesus while they were here in church. Now, whether it was a church, now there's some churches that won't allow you to go deep because if you raise your hand, they'll, they'll look you down. Amen. I had a guy at work one time on his track and said, Man, the George, we had somebody come to church this day and during the invitation or during the song service, they had stood up and raised their hand like this. So we all stay seated. He said, We looked at him like, What did you do? I said, What did they do? Oh, they quit holding their hand up and sit down. I said, Have they been back? No, I don't know what the problem was. Amen. Listen, I don't want to ever hold back the Spirit of God in this church. It's not my job to tell you to sit down and not raise your hand. God may be laying it, that, but that may not be your personality to do that, and that's okay, too. Now, we got to have a little balance here in our worship, in our spirit truth. We can't just go hog wild and be all notes, be confusing in the place, amen? Because God's not an object of Jesus. Now, if you want to raise your hands in this church, raise them. If you want to shout, shout, that, that's fine. But don't knock somebody that don't want to do it. And say they're not scripted you because you're starting to act like a Corinthian church. That's what the Corinthian church had a problem with. It's not about that. They may be worshiping God in spirit and truth a lot more than you are making a lot of noise. Or just reverse that. Either way. But I don't want to hold back the spirit of God. I'm not telling nobody to put their hands down. I'm not going to tell you, listen, guys, tomorrow, this Sunday, during the song service, uh, that's not the regulated time to come to the altar. It's during our traditional invitation time. Now, what would I be doing with the Spirit of God? Breathing. Breathing the Holy Spirit. If you don't come in here with the freedom to worship and the freedom to worship God and serve God, God's not going to move in your heart because you're going to be bound by a bunch of legalistic rules that the church has put on you. You come in, Lord. We can only go ankle deep, Lord. That's what my church says. 
And that's what Jesus trying to tell his disciples. Quit walking around in ankle deep water, church. If you really want to experience me, walk down into the deep. Get out there and experience the stuff you never experienced with God. Quit doing the same old, same old. Because if you always do what you always done, there you go. Watch out. So Peter's doing the mess. And I love what Peter to be with. He said, okay. So they lost the said, Okay, Jesus, what's out. He, he trusted Jesus no matter the circumstances. When the circumstances are bad, do you still love Jesus? When they're good, do you love him? When you've got a lot of money at the end of the month, or how about a, a lot of month at the end of the month? Do you still love Jesus? See, if we let worldly things dictate our relationship, then we're focused on the wrong thing. And we won't, uh, we won't be able to hear and discern the Holy Spirit when He's called. And so they see the mess out. Now listen, when they see the mess out, the results of His obedience is in verse 67. His, oh, his results from them obeying is the mess was full. They cast them out in the deep and people going, it's obvious to say, Jesus, but, you know, you know who it is. And they went out there and threw it out, and the nets were so full that Peter called some of his buddies to bring their boats over here, and they dumped the All the boats almost sank. So it's a fish. And Peter realized right then what it means to go. When God, when, listen, when God convicts you to do something, the importance to do it. How many of you convicted by God to do something and put it off? What happened? You know, you know, and, I, and, I said, and you know what I'm doing myself? I'm handcuffing God in my life, and all I'm doing is experiencing ankle deep, shoreline hurt. But if I would have acted on that convi- conviction of God and stepped out, He would have showed me a catch of fish that I've never experienced before, even though they said it couldn't be done. But with Jesus, all things are possible. How many of y'all believe that? All things are possible with Jesus Christ. So Jesus trying to get Peter and listen, if you're going to be my disciples, you're going to, you're going to see persecution. If you're going to be able to preach one day on the day of Pentecost, Peter, you've got to get more than ankle deep. You've got to get neck deep, man. I mean, you've got to get completely submerged in my spirit. And not be scared to trust me. And, and that's the biggest deal why churches don't make disciples if they don't trust me. Because here's the number one. They don't have the money to do that. All he had was 11, 12 fishermen. They didn't have this bank account. They turned the world upside down. He's not looking for your ability, my friend. No matter how good you think it is, he's looking for your availability this morning. Just to show up and say, Jesus, I'm here. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how you're going to finish this ministry. I don't know how you're going to do this ministry, but I know you're calling me to do this. you got to trust him with it. He's not going to let you see the whole picture, friend. If he did, get back down and say, I've got it. I don't know. I don't need to He wants you to trust him not today, except out a little bit deeper tomorrow. Trust him tomorrow, except I don't faith a little bit deeper. A little bit deeper. He said, well, George, what if I get out there so deep I get up my head? He won't let you drown because he said, no, I am with you all. He's not going to let you drink when you know it's God's time. Amen? So here we go. Going back to disciples, it's the personal discipleship that I put into up there. They're personal and they're corporate. 
making disciples is personal discipleship and corporate discipleship. Next one, human. Personal discipleship, one-on-one, is the growth process by which we as Christians learn, and it's tough, this is when you start to be your disciples, as we learn to bring all of life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's when you bring everything that surrendered to Jesus. From your job, to your family, to your marriage, to your bath boat, to your hobbies, you bring them all to Jesus. I know guys in here, and David's not here today, so it's a good day to preach about it. David Trumpton, when he when he and Tina first started coming to church, it didn't matter. Listen, she was so glad David was in church, they were glad to be here. But if there was going to be, and, and he goes every now and then, and so we let him we're all sinners saved by James. But I'm telling you, when David first came to this church, if there was a big bath sermon next Sunday, I don't care if they said Jesus was going to preach this Sunday, he was going to watch Paul Darnell or somewhere else. He's just gone. He's out going to church. When them big terms there, I'm going. Here's what discipleship is. When you start surrendering all the things to Jesus Christ, they don't mean and feel as so important to you as they used to. Now when the big one comes up, baby, don't go. He's here in God's house. Now that's just one little example, but take you as your life, when you bring everything in under the Lordship, how do you use the man if you would cut your right arm off go hunting this place and this? But now when you surrender, God, you still love the hunt. This is not number one Uno above Jesus anymore. Amen? Y'all getting that in the back? Can you hear me? Okay. That's the first one of the discipleship. Now, corporate is a church body discipleship. This is the process by, of the church by which Christians are brought from spiritual infants up to spiritual maturity so they can reproduce the process with others. Huh. Wonder why our churches aren't growing. We've got a lot of spiritual, bottle-fed, diaper-believing Christians. Amen? They're still babies in Christ. Been there for 40 years, Walt. They're still infants. When they start maturing, and when they get mature, they're ready to, to reproduce that process with somebody else. But the reason they never had that, they don't have to go out and do that with people. Then you're still here. You're still an ankle-deep walk with the church. When we start Christian maturing, we're going to want to go out and bring people to Jesus. But we've got to have spiritual mature people to do that. They just don't care about your job. When Hunter was little, he didn't care where I was. He don't care as long as he knew he had toys in his toy box and had this in his deal. I'm all good. That's baby for me. But Paul said, as I, when I was a child, I spoke to the child, but when I become a man, I figured it out real quick. I had to put away childish things. Paul is initially saying, I bought my life under the lordship of Jesus Christ. The things I used to love growing up, and even as I first married, even this time last year, are not what they used to be in my life. Now I love Jesus. Now here we are, church, and I'm going to quote this, because there's two things we need to do in our discipleship. We, as Pleasant Hill, we have to invest in the next generation. 
Pastor Gary, yeah, I'll talk to Doug Monday about it. See what he says. Walked in his office, talked to him. He never one time stumbled and said, oh, let me think about this for a minute. No. Let's see here. He said, let's do it. We need to, we all, we need to keep our young kids going. That was his, that was his vision. And he said, I don't want to start the praise team because, hey, they do a great job of worship on Wednesday nights and, 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 and practicing and leaving us on Sunday. He said, we'll just start at 6 and we'll be out of here. Come on, y'all young people, get here. Hey, man, you ought to see them on Wednesday nights. They got earplugs on the way out. I said all that to say this, it's great to pastor a church where the older generation has enough spiritual vision, the spiritual discernment from the Holy Spirit to say, we can't give up on our kids. And our programs that are bringing our kids to church. Yeah, they're going to make messes, guys. I'll do that sometimes in the Testament Hall, and it's going to be a stupid thing. There might be some paint get on a wall that you need to get there or a crayon. And I know there's some, well, we can't have that in our church. And I want to say, it happens in your house. Ministry, ministry is messy. Be willing to put up with the cleanup. Amen. And your kids are little, they come your house apart. Yeah, but we love you. Thank you, Paul. Well, let God put that love and shine down and demonstrate in your heart about the church. Amen. So we need to really make sure we invest in this next generation. Because listen, I want these guys here to hear me preach. Some of these guys in the last year, this is that's all the preacher they heard. It's me. Since they got big enough to hear preachers, all they've heard preachers, brother George. I want them to leave when they grow up and be 18, 19, 20, whether they go to college or whatever, and they, they get married and they'll say, and then God starts dealing with their family, where are we going to go to church? Well, I want to go where a spirit-filled church is, because I grew up with my brother George, and man, he was on fire, the church was on fire. That's a compliment, guys. Amen. And I want to find a church that'll go and make disciples, and they're growing, they're excited, they're in unity. All they want to do is see people's lives change for Jesus. That's what God called us to do. Is that church? And I want to thank y'all as your pastor for being able to pastor a church like that. Because there's a lot of churches out there that keep their pastor down all the time. They walk over and put their foot on his throat. Yeah, yeah. The idea is he's got to run this church. Well, I've been here 12 years and I ain't looking yet. Hang on, okay? I'm going to do my best to follow the Holy Spirit and what he wants us to do for the future of this church. Amen? And I know, I know some of the ideas George got, and man, he's saying that it'll never work, but we're going to let him try. If you have that attitude, we'll be winners, amen? And as ministry leaders in this church, you need to keep doing new and inventive, fresh stuff in your ministry. Amen. Get online. Look at stuff. Look at. Listen. Being spirit led don't mean you just got your nose in the Bible and you never look up. 
God gives you ability to get ideas to transform to use in your ministry to glorify Him from other places. Why do you think they got conferences? Women's conference, men's conference, pastor's conferences. They go there to get refreshed with new vision and ideas. It's something that somebody's already thought of. But you reinvent it to fix your church. Amen? It's a good sermon. I don't like it. I do. Well, we need, so we need to be a new, fresh church, not an old, dead, dried up church doing stuff 15 years ago. We need to be fresh and relevant and new, but listen, we always keep the message of gospel the same. We never, we never depart from the truth. What the Bible says, it says. Amen? But that doesn't mean you've got to be old and dead and dried up in your traditions in order to do ministry. You can be, if, the, if the Word's going to refresh you, your ministry needs to be Amen? Let's all stand, finally. Put that upon the song, Ocean. I wish to place him to the same list because I didn't know nobody could sing it. Have you ever read the words in this song called Ocean? I mean, I know we sing it, but I'm not going to read the whole song. But I want you to read it. If you're worried about stepping out today and doing something for God, if you're in ankle deep water and that's all you sing in, and God's calling you to launch out today, the reason you don't is you don't trust Jesus. Look what it says in this song. Everybody listen. Look at here. You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown where feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep my faith will stand. And I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace. For I am yours and you are mine. Your grace abounds in the deepest waters. Amen. If you're experiencing Jesus in April Eve, guess what? He's in the water that's over your head this morning. He's there too. So your grace abounds in the deepest waters. Your sovereign hand will be my guide. Where, where feet may fail and fear surrounds me, you've never failed me and you won't start me. Amen. That's good. Listen, if you're wanting to step out this morning and wash out and you want to grow in the Lord, it's scary. Listen, Jesus is already out in the deep place. He's got an invitation this morning saying, Come, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and you need rest, come, take my yoke upon upon you. And I love that part, my yoke. Listen, Pleasant Hill. If you're running around and you're burning out and you just have no joy in ministry in this church, it's probably because you're sitting around your yoke. So if you'll come today and, and surrender yourself to say, Jesus, I need your yoke. You know what? Your walk with Jesus will be fun of you. Because you'll actually like to hear me preach. You won't snarl, you won't snarl. Don't worry about the time when Jesus is in the house. Amen. So what are we calling you to do this morning? Put his yoke on. Because that starts right now. The first thing is you enjoy your relationship with Jesus. And if a church is hurt that or a family or a divorce or whatever, it's not their fault. It's our fault for not turning and repenting. Amen. And saying, Jesus, I need your yoke. I want to join my salvation. 